All right, we're back. We're back. This is the Chieftains Podcast. You are now listening to Chief X. Chief Meta. Chief Drea. And on today's topics, we'll be discussing brunch niggas. The NAACP, as well as some other people under the brunch nigga category. Uh, topic number two is going to be Amber Geiger's, uh, Amber Geiger's verdict. Wow. Stacey Dash's nigga wake up call and white paternalism. And to start things off, we're going to define brunch niggas. No, it's not what you all think. A bunch of people getting together having brunch, even though it could include that. But brunch niggas are a bunch of do-nothing organizations or people that you see at every event, luncheon or brunching. They seem to never make any progress with them policy or their waistlines. But the dominant society puts them up as spokespersons for our thing or they're all fighting over them butter biscuits for some attention and checks from white zaddy. So let's list off some of these organizations or people that fit the bill. Number one. NAACP. Number two, The Divine Nine. Three, Jack and Jill. And they're all tied for four. Roland Martin, Angela Rice, Simone Sanders, April Ryan. And number five, the UNCF. Okay, so the history of the NAACP. Uh, I want to say that their national office was open like around 1910, so they had to start probably about five years before that with um, W. Du Bois's uh, not. Niagara Movement for Civil Rights. Now it's like in 1905. Now in 1910, they opened up a national office in New York City and they had a whole bunch of board of directors as well as President Moorfield Story, a white constitutional lawyer. Already, you're starting off wrong. And former president of the American Bar Association. Other early members included Joel and Arthur Spangarn, Josephine Ruffin, Mary Talbert, Inez Milholland, Jane Adams, Florence Kelly, and a whole bunch of other white people with some black folks playing on there <laughs> and the whole multicultural movement of do nothing, right? So let's listen to what Michael Max had to say about the NAACP. Mm-hmm. 
Who is the founder? Mm. Yep. Yeah, it's kind and of the like, YCP. The founder is odd. It's odd. The, the founder? Uh, it, it just says a group of white liberals that include Mary White Ovington and Oswald Garrison Villard. Yep. Yeah. 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 Some 60 people, More seven of whom were African-American, included W.E. Du Bois, E.O.B. Wells Barnett, and Mary Church Terrell. of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. Mm-hmm. 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 So, y'all get, the, y'all get the overall gist of what Brother uh, Malcolm was saying, right? Yeah, like, you know... They they basically start out as this, this organization that was supposed to address these different um, injustices that were happening um, during our time period. But you look at them today, um, what actual right. progress has been made except for the national advancement of certain people? And it, you know what I mean? Like you look at it, like they're they're definitely um, they're advocating for everyone, but foundational black americans and so you go to their foundations already they had started off wrong not saying that we can't have allies but the intentions of the allies were to actually help us move our particular causes to the forefront and we would be able to be at the front of everything in terms of the movement itself and oftentimes they actually factual. put themselves at the head of these okay, organizations I want you to or the head of the movement link. and addressing Apologize only maybe the their causes and click concerns click that link and you Take a look at the founding president Moorfield's story, and could you give us a description of Mr. Moorfield's story, if you don't mind, Chief Drea? Send the Zencaster chat. Hold on, I'm gonna put it in. I'm gonna put it in the other one too. Oh yeah, yeah. That that link right there. The brother shot nine times. That's ooh. That's for later. Mm-hmm. That's later. That's later. But Mr. Moorfield's story is interesting. Person. Yeah, Moorfield's story. Um, he was an American lawyer, anti-imperial activist, and civil rights leader based in Boston, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And he had a worldview that embodied pacifism, anti-imperialism, and racial egalitarianism. For as much as it did, not a fair and moral tone in government. Interesting. So it, it seemed like it was more about what mm-hmm. his view of agitation was actually not really taking a stance at all. So basically being docile, and that's kind of like what happened with the NAACP. They kind of became very docile, even though the mm-hmm. government viewed them any form of political agitation and immediately 
cause him to be to be well, watched it by turns the FBI. Out that he consistently but and aggressively how were they restraining rights, any weapon when they weren't really blacks, doing much? Also even for back American then. Indians, shout outs to the natives and immigrants. He opposed immigration restrictions and supported racial equality and self determination. But I have to inter- interject on that self determination when you continually bring people like the Irish over during this period in time that he's speaking about. And they ended up occupying mm-hmm. the rungs that we were occupying in that ladder. And they were having racial and ethnic disturbances against us and demonstrating how much they wanted to fully assimilate into the, the greater white dominant group. And unrestricted, yep. you know, passage that was allowed to them led to these lynchings and burnings and riots and strikes. It's kind of odd. And his dear friend, you know, the Irish lawyer, Lord Russell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So now we're going to go ahead and get into Ooh. the Divine Nine, like as number two on that list. And the reason why we brought them up is because yep. often there's this back and forth between the conscious community and the Divine Nine. And both sides have some validity to the arguments, Ooh. you know, because uh, is, is it true that the Black Greeks from yes. the foundation were trying to start a class system within the Black community amongst themselves? Yes, we can say that. And while turning a blind eye to the different social issues back then and also now. Um, but shout outs to those black Greeks that were had something to do with the Amber Geiger case. Yes, you guys have a, a wonderful and beautiful oh, job. And you guys were working within the system to try to bring uh, to bring aboard some form of justice. But this is not the point that I'm trying to make here. Uh, what I want to get at is like, OK, mm-hmm. yeah, thank you guys for. Arturo Alfonso Schomburg, even though he isn't necessarily a financial black, Newton, Carter G. Woodson, Betty Shabazz, mm-hmm. okay, Khalid mm-hmm. Muhammad, Bobby Rush, uh-huh, Kwame Nkumra, all right, all these are great and wonderful people. But Brunchin, what are you guys doing today Brunchin, as a collective Brunchin, Munchin, for foundational Black functions. Americans today? You know, we can no, no longer live in, exactly. the, in the days of, days of greatness really once upon a time. behind who they should vote is, hey, just go register to vote and have a good day. We're going to run voting drives, and that's the extent of the community. I don't know. Maybe we should, maybe we should have somebody call mm-hmm. in and talk about the community service because I don't want to be it? biased. I want to know. Yeah. I want to know. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, we, we can do that at, at, at some other point. Yeah. And, and awesome. number three is going to be Jack and Jill, though. See, they're all tied in together. All right. Yes. This is where the elite black children are often yes. separated from the rest of the black children. And for anyone who hasn't read our kind of people, um, you, Franklin Frazier, you mm-hmm. talked about how the bourgeoisie class of blacks prep their kids for high-paying jobs in this particular exclusive network via Jack and Jill. And the reason many of the upper-class blacks want their children in Jack and Jill is for the exclusive social and educational benefits. And this is a direct quote. 
And even if you send your children to the best private schools and colleges, it doesn't mean that they will get to meet black role models who inspire them and make them feel that they can succeed in the white world. That's what Jack and Jill can do as James, the Savannah parent whose son, Robert, grew up in Jack and Jill and later graduated from Savannah they Country are. Day School, They're Harvard White University, Harvard Law yeah, School. It is. What it sounds like is y'all trying to be like white people. Mm-hmm. That's what it sounds like to me. Our kind of people, huh? Because it takes money to go to private school. Okay, it takes take money to who have these exclusive events, right? You guys sitting around, who you having you know high tea, dressing nice little top hats and all that, you know. The, the rest yeah. of y'all niggas out yeah. here, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. all kind of people. The rest of y'all niggas out here, y'all in that fit. You filled Negroes. <laughs> Uh huh. Um, I have. Yeah, so, I'm so, so you, do y'all have anything else to add about this whole Jack and Jill uh, thing here? I came across a lot of say. these folks in Jack and Jill, um, you know, organizations, and I'm like, well, <laughs> why are y'all here? Oh, because I want to get more into after to my blackness. What you want to get more into after to your blackness by going to HBCU? But I thought that y'all was aspiring to mm. be white. So you know, it was always that side eye, like, why are y'all here? Um, and then too, you'll hear the stories of, well, we had a maid, we had a driver, you know, we had this. And so coming from, you know, like my background, yeah, you know, my parents, you know, working class, whatever the case is, you're like, um, my right. driver was my mom I'm and dad. I'm trying to figure out <laughs> the schools, all these resources you know? they had. So how did they spread the bread around? <laughs> how did they break bread with the community? Because they were coming, they're coming in, right? To soak up y'all's sauce. You notice that? <laughs> they were like, oh, we're getting more in contact contact mm-hmm. with our blackness we're trying to get more attached to it so they're coming in to soak up the sauce but how were they paying for the sauce besides contributing to the mm-hmm. facility because that's not that's not enough like what benefit are they, did they put you up on any game did right. they introduce right, right. You to anybody did they bring you to any meetings did they say hey this is my rich ass cousin that owns this facility right, right. over here this is the he actually owned the means of production or something. Hey, do you know this is how this really works back here? Instead of just stunting on you, did they do anything like that at all? Right. <laughs> there, there was nothing like that. The only thing is, like we talked about last episode, is it's easy to stunt on other black folks, right? If you are not putting us one game mm-hmm. or accessing um your social capital, opening it up to the rest of us folks, then you it's easy for you to stunt and say, I had a driver. Okay, but where's the generational wealth that you can help, you know, your your tribe, your people at HBCUs? There's none. So it's just pretty much like I'm stunting on all y'all. Wow. Like they didn't they didn't tell you the relationships that their family built to acquire the driver. They didn't even say, I need to hire a driver. Nothing like that. No way for nothing to elevate y'all. Nothing like that. No, nothing mm. to elevate. They, they're only going to elevate themselves to get into the what? The divine nine. So they can run for Mr. or Mrs. Let's say Tuskegee University. Also more so they can be legacy. Their, their sticker price. So more things alive. to add to the resume. Okay. Of course. Of course. And of course. Yeah, it is. Exactly. 
And, and it, yep, exactly like that. Yep. And, and, and the thing about them is they even have a, they even have like, for example, there's, there's a difference between mm. the old money and the new money. And they talk about yeah. that in a book. They got like, money from I think they said something about Bill Cosby right. and Reginald Lewis, how, oh no, he's not like us. Exactly. You know, but a certain presidential blacks. candidate, they may have inherited their money from, uh, yeah. being a descendant yeah. of owners. Quiet mm-hmm. is kept, but let's just leave that. You know All right. Mm-hmm. Where is that? You know, and um, so <laughs> number four, the all time before Roland Martin, Angela Ride, hey. Simone <laughs> Sanders, and April Ryan. Rolly, Rolly, Rolly. You know what? <laughs> you know what? Roll it. Roll it. Roll it. All right. Wow. So these four people, let me, I want to read this real what quick. What do y'all got to say about these four people right here? So my, actually, my social work class um, is by a really dope um, Black social scientist. E. Franklin Frazier wrote about the Black bourgeoisie. He studied the behaviors and attitudes of the said black folks who were grifters in the 40s and Ooh. 50s. He was daring and transparent in his assessment and casted a critical eye on a section of black society that had achieved the trappings of the white bourgeoisie ideal. Frazier traced the evolution of this complex class from the segregated South to the post-war boom in the integrated North, showing how along the road to what seemed like prosperity and progress. Middle-class Blacks actually lost their roots to the traditional Black world while never achieving acknowledgement from the white sector. The result concluded, Frazier is a bourgeoisie class with no identity built on self-sustaining myths of Black business and society, silently undermined by a collective deliberating inferiority complex. Whoa. So that's pretty much like the sum of what we was just talking about, the black bourgeoisie class. And there's such a thing as far as with the Jack and Jill, as far as with the NAACP, as far as with the Divine Nine, they're all lumped in together to be this black bourgeoisie class who what can stunt on other pe- on the black people, not stunt on white folks because they're, white people's mm. not thinking about them. So this is the grifter class that we always talk about. Wow. And it seems like they they jump right back into our cultural, our sphere of cultural influence to do a little altering and give themselves some credibility for their outer circle. So the white capital can pay them some attention. We have some authenticity here. Look, we're real blacks now. It's not a monolith. Right. Definitely. Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Our kind of oh, people. and just to correct myself earlier, I know I said Frazier wrote the yeah, uh, kind of the book, but no, it's actually like she said, Lawrence Otis Graham. They're kind of like, well, we're in this bourgeoisie class. We're always getting invited to the luncheons. We're always the keynote speakers. We should have added Oprah to that, but we'll talk about that later. Um, and also, too, my black <laughs> right fifty dollar place and my group of black folks are doing good. Like we doing good over here. What y'all talking about? Fifty dollar plates. 
<laughs> the decadent <laughs> not that embarrassed and it's like oh I can't take you to go meet these other people these right. other black folk because you're gonna embarrass me damn damn like man, how, am I, how am I supposed to how am I supposed to get the bag there if I can't meet them then how am I supposed to make myself better financially if I can't meet them you know, you want me to be a no. part of your folk those no because you're better than us bourgeoisie did Angela Ross said she what I was talking about because her folks are doing good her friends are doing good. There ain't no such thing as um, you know, poor black folks. Wow. Mm. <laughs> sure does. Speaking fact. in the face of facts, <laughs> you dare make a yeah. statement like that, but, but it's that cool. Data, I understand that where it says otherwise. Like folk out here are doing bad. They keep that smoke screen up so other people can't run past and you know they need to keep a lot of that funding and attention for themselves even though they got the bag and the funds and yeah uh-huh buffer people just like roller martin. yeah just like roller buffer. martin's maternal great-grandparents who had migrated from what Haiti one of us to Indiana, say they're a buffer class and it's like mm-hmm. hmm, were they gender yeah, they're, they're buffer were people they free to migrate because uh, mm. my family was on property mm-hmm. in that area. I've been on a plantation in Louisiana right. where they were working for free. And you were free to go there. So mm-hmm. I wonder That's what kind of know. position that you occupied in Haiti. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Were they like the Creole? Yeah, didn't they say something crazy the other day? Okay. We can let talk me, about it in a different episode. Let me, let me but, um, yeah, 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 the yeah, UNCF. Yeah. Okay, ahead, okay, cool. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. The UNCF, who, who wants to tackle also that? known the UNCF, as the United Fund, the United Negro College Fund, is an American philanthropic organization that funds scholarships for black students and general scholarship funds for 37 private historically black colleges and universities. UNCF was incorporated on April 25th, 1944 by Frederick D. Patterson, then president of what is now Tuskegee University, Mary McLeod Bethune, and others. UNCF is headquartered at 1805 7th Street, Northwest in Washington, D.C. Shouts to Uptown. In 2005, UNCF supported approximately 65,000 students. There's 40 million of us. At over 900 colleges and universities with approximately 113 million in grants and scholarships. About 60% of these students are the first in their families to attend college. That's beautiful. And 62% have annual family incomes of less than $25,000. Wow. UNCF also administers only over 450 named scholarships. The luncheon, (laughs) named after longtime UNCF supporter Dr. Maya Angelou, honors local women making a positive impact in the Charlotte community. Oprah brought the Oprah brought the crowd to its feet when she announced that she was matching the $1.15 million that had been raised to support historically black colleges and universities. But I thought wow. African-American women didn't want education. According to her, they just wanted iPhones and sneakers. And then she mm-hmm. opened that school over there where that, those situations oh, happened. That, you know that's what I mean? Uh, it was some kind of some yep. foul situations involving 
sexual abuse and a child was found there, a newborn baby. So, mm-hmm. you know, we don't really speak too much on that, but it's kind of odd and ironic that you're matching that money. And I want to know where it went mm-hmm. to. Miss Winfrey. Right. Right, right, right. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And without, yes. I wanted to mention this oh. real quick because I work oh. closely with UNCF. Okay. The reason why a lot of people don't really say United Negro College Fund uh, because in 2008, they decided to keep that silent and promote the brand of the logo. Why is this? Because they want to be more inclusive and diverse. Um, the landscape of HBCUs are uh, swiftly changing. 30% of their student population are international students. Um also, too, like I said, I work closely with this um, foundation. And one school here where I live at, that is a PWI, predominantly white institution, they receive UNCF funding. And I'm investigating how did they receive this funding oh. and why my other HBCU did not receive the funding. So that's another topic of discussion. Oh. And from what I was told from, you know, one of my oh. homies that, you know, is that an HBCU that's an um, admin there? Because that said PWI have over 50% of black students. Are they are they foundational black Americans? We don't know. Hey, you got 50% of black students. We'll throw y'all some coins over here. So like I said, I'm doing my own investigation on that because I know at least three other of my HBCUs can need this money, but it's going to a PWI Ooh. here in the state of Alabama. Whoa, buddy. Mm. That's nuts. Sick. All right, we're going now. I see here that we Six gave man. the Congressional Black Caucus the um, <laughs> honorary sixth place here, it looks like. And um, so, speaking of CBC, and you know, they do not a damn That's thing for foundational black Americans. They're always talking about immigrants, so they might as well just go ahead and just rename themselves the immigrant, the, the, the immigrant black caucus. So, <laughs> chicken and brunch caucus. Oh, and so they got this event that's coming up, right? You know, it's it's called the CBCS 2019 Annual Legislative Conference, but they have a whole itinerary. And I'm going to go ahead and put it here in the chat here on uh, on our Zencaster so you guys can see it for yourselves. And they got a whole list of things that's happening. And it always involves some damn food. We don't need no more. All right, or our think tank. Policy Lab, the Black Policy Lab at Howard University. How many damn think tanks do we need? The what? You got what? a Black Blockchain Summit 2019. Wow. Okay, oh, that might okay. be a little, no, that sounds interesting. The Hustlers Guild kickoff reception. Hustlers Guild? Everybody's, the, the Hustlers Guild. Yeah. HBCU CEO initiative kickoff event. This is an initiative to support small businesses Ooh. expand access to opportunities, stimulate strategic partnerships and tips to operate in excellence. Um, I, okay, that's very interesting. The Center for Urban and Racial Equity Storytelling event. Uh, they got a CBC, yep, more food. CBC Veterans Brain Trust Welcome Reception. Sounds like you need some food in there too. 
Oh my good. They, they have a whole list of events that's going on. I don't want to you know, name them all off, but like go ahead and check it out. And I'm also going to put that also. Um, I'm going to put it on our on our Facebook page too, so that everyone can check out. I'm not really trying to promote hey. the CBC, but what they I want to get at is, is that there's a lot of events that's going on out there, and notice how there's never any actual progress being made in terms of. I thought you can only condition. have one kickoff. Always got an event. Black and white tie fair. No, you gotta have. You know, three hundred dollar plates. <laughs> got to kick off for this. We got to think. I think tank for that. <laughs> so, so it sounds like. So it sounds like right. they're not only just having. I thought you're gonna have one. Like, well, you can do two grand openings if you need to, but you know, like grand opening and grand closing. A lot of bases. Anyway, so we can get you drunk. So you won't remember why you here. So. <laughs> Facts, facts. <laughs> and you saw it, you know, remember why you're there, yep. Or you, don't, or, you, or you do something reckless that night so that way they can blackmail you later. <laughs> All right, second topic is Amber Geiger's verdict. It was really good with that. I know a lot of people were, you know, they were nervous and whether or not she was going to get found guilty or not. And there were some people who were cheering. I'm one of those like, listen, we're going to the whole system of white supremacy and one race soldier going down. That does nothing. Laptop going off and playing rock and roll music during it. It's just disrespectful. That happening. There was some, there was testimony. Yeah. Yeah, ooh, that's see that's yeah. kind of indeterminate yeah. sentencing. They, yeah, it's not you know. There's a looking that she's supposed to be doing like between like five and, and life or something like judge, that. Um, is you know she usually throws around like yeah this is gonna the happen setup. but it really don't happen and that she like to play a lot of games. So don't start doing you know the celebration dance and thinking she's gonna go right. away. Um, for life. You have to look at the judge who's, you know, the sentencing and also, too, how is this judge tough on, let's say, law enforcement, um, which a lot of times they're not because, you know, they're in the same field. They are buddy-buddy. And another thing that was weird, too, did y'all see, like, the deputy coming? Yeah. If, what are you doing? Like, why uh, did you know that? At first, I thought I was like, maybe. That was very weird. That was very weird. Her for razors or something. But no, she was reassuring her and stroking her hair. And it seemed like. Oh, yeah. That was weird. Enforcement that was sisterhood. Weird. The blue wall is up no matter what. You know, and she kind of odd. Uh, yeah. Exactly. We'll take care of you. Exactly. That was weird. Another thing is, um, people, people like, mm-hmm. it's it's gonna be he's gonna yeah. be sure the women's prison in the first place. Like it's not as violent or safe. segregated or we'll protect you gang infested. The majority Manism. of people in there are there for drug crimes and crimes against children. They're not in there for quote unquote real nigga shit. So there's not nope. going to be that treatment. And she's probably not going to be in general population in the first place. So she's going to be in protective custody in a relatively safe institution. All the wishing and well wishing and right. violent wishing is a waste of mental energy. Oh, I hope they shank her. Ah, I hope she gets raped. Ah, chill, man. We got greater things to think about. That's not popping. I have. Mm-hmm. 
about her going to solitary confinement. Like, oh, I think she need to go underneath the jail. Right. Like, I think it's she not. should get. What do you think about she that? She should go underneath the jail. She should get the death penalty. Um, it's in Texas, right? They're Ooh. very, you know, harsh on crime. So I think she should get the prison, Period. Um. Yep. Right. Lethal injection, all that, because you know, I it's more to the story, and and my intuition is more to the story than you know what she said and i'm just sick of these folks getting off like i'm very sick of people getting off and i'm i'm sick of you know the white women tears to be honest with you i'm sick of seeing that and then like gonna persuade like the jury like oh my god you know she cried i don't care you cry you wasn't crying that night when you shot this brother you was you was like oh i did it that's it so i think nope so i think she should go underneath the jail that's my opinion She violated this man's sanctity and, and all of our sanctity at once. I'm sure it wasn't. Think about it now. You know, you can't even be behind the confines of your own home. Right. Mm. Exactly. And that's- I can't even be in right. my apartment chilling. That means I gotta I gotta worry about some of them kicking down the door and shooting me while I'm playing 2K. I'm not trying to be funny. Like that's like like that yeah, legit right exactly. there is like come on now. I can't I'm, I can't be black anywhere. Real? Apparently I can't chill. Was, can't, I can't enjoy a drink in peace. Sure Nothing. Apparently she was distracted oh, I thought I was by in my spicy apartment. Text, How'd you think spicy you was in sexual text, but that didn't distract her from I didn't realize I was in the wrong place. Training and but her center mass fire. But you had enough sense to shoot this man though. Yeah. Exactly. I, I spicy sexual text, but yeah. right, right. Yeah, exactly. That, All that, that was they intentional. Brought that into the mix. That like, means you targeted this before, black man before she did that. She you targeted was engaged him. You, you in that you type of conversation. That was so was she aroused by doing mm. this? Race soldiers, man. That race soldiers. Right, right. It could have been a ritual. Was this some type of? I don't know. Kind of odd. Right. Was this a ritual? Yeah. Cause that was this like a race soldier ritual? Yeah, like, you work. know, to be inducted to white supremacy, you gotta go kill a random black man. Yeah. Doesn't 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 matter who does you know, you want these stripes, right? The white woman. You already a cop. Is that a ritual? She watched. Yeah. She, watched. she tried to she tried to pull you the chair. So <laughs> Now we can go ahead and talk about Stacy Dash's nigga wake up call. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna put some old pictures oh, yeah, because I think she's she been altering she her skin tone mm-hmm. as well. I'm gonna find these pictures. <laughs> she white, big big baby. The white people dressed yeah. her. She's looking a little bit more brown here than usual, and I just think it's, I think it's yeah. pathetic and disgusting. Oh, what would you say? Erase the beauty of melanin from their cells, you know, and and then to the point of doing it psychologically, it doesn't work. No. Try to try the Jerry. Try to bury the blackness. Try the Jerry. Then you take a look at this. Yeah, Jerry's coming all the way through. And the thing is, how you gonna say you're a white woman? Your name is Stacy Loretta Dash. You got a hood name. Mm. You ain't white. The Damon Dash's Mm -hmm. cousin. Come on, Jerry. Yeah, I think he did too. But still. Oh. 
That's not my kid, folks. That's on cold. I thought he disowned her. Wow. Because you can see she it, there's no rehabilitation. <laughs> I thought he like publicly disowned her. Like, I am not related to she that chick. <laughs> she looked like, I don't even know. She looked like, you know who she looked like now, y'all? She looked like Meghan Markle. Go look at the, um, go look at, um. She's her. in the stocking place. Like she like Meghan Markle. <laughs> And it says, according to Dash Wikipedia page, her father, Dennis Dash, is black and her mother, Linda Dash, is Mexican. She is also the cousin of Damon Dash. Dash had only played black roles in movies and was worked more in a black community than any other demographic. the difference between her man she's big bleach oh my god right look she was a mad dark back in the day and now she look what is going on cuz she <laughs> went from kelly to beyonce on Take a peek at her old pictures and then look at her current pictures and you'll see exactly what me and she really tore on a Michael Jackson. Look at this. This is crazy. Woo! She thinks gerrymandering. Oh, Jerry. <laughs> you mix peroxide. That and she don't look man, oh no that's that's not the look boo and then another thing is like okay you're married to mm-hmm. a white man you doing? That ain't it. Up, man did you think you became part of them after you touched him that's and that man, you thought it was popping for you after yep. that did you think you can she tried to gerrymander you can gendermander or gerrymander you put your hands on white so- Yeah, and they they if they put the pause on that. Oh, oh, oh. So, well, we yeah, can talk about that. See, that that's yeah. another conversation. Right. These you black women getting these case, white men, and she, now they think they part of that, that group. Right. She got her ass got access by that power. Oh, I'm part of white society now. I got me a white now man to say and not access to power. And she can so bail herself one out. Of them. She has access to the bank to bail herself out and access to an attorney after having access to some handcuffs. Yeah. <laughs> because she wanted to, she wanted to, you know, act like she was with one of us. Like, you know, she probably used to put her hands on brothers. And, and, it, and it, well, we have to see because she... I'm not calling yeah. the police. Yeah. She, she called the police. Put her hands on Tom. Well, we have Facts. to see because she was married. <laughs> right. Yeah, but she was like, I'm going to call the pro-pro. I wanted that she put the pro on oh, yeah. him. She was married to him. Because you put your hands on the way, you just might get. Um, <laughs> this is crazy. You know how that goes. <laughs> I was watching one of those old um, those old Harlem Dope Boy documentaries and 
brother said he had the, you know, he had, he had. Oh yeah, man, I'm she put the pause on him. Yeah, yeah. So Christopher, I remember that wasn't about game. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was about that life. Yeah. Right. So that means Chris was really about that. So that means that he put Stacey. Stacey must like that. She must like putting hands on people. Jeffrey Marty. <laughs> she must like that. The, the rough yeah. neck guy, you know. Jeffrey Marty called the cops. <laughs> yep. I, I need oh, so she decided to go that route and put the hands on the white dude. White dude was like, oh no. Yeah, you crazy. This black woman nuts. I'm white because I I think I'm happy. Exactly. And then she got arrested, right? Then she was like, I need the white woman's identity. And she goes, She checked that box, said, White. I am white. He bailed her out two days after she was white. I deserve a pass. Is it possible that he has Stockholm syndrome? You see that? I'm Jeffrey Martin. I love her. I love her. I'm also going to pay for your attorney, too, baby. We've been wrong together. Three, three numbers, bitch. Nine one one. Jeff Marty. You're gonna have your nigga wake up call, but I still love you. But I'm, you know, I just need to let you know that was a warning. Okay, that was a warning. Okay, you will go to jail next time. Don't put your hands on me. I thought he had he had you the cat on his speed. I'm white. No, it's not a game. And she 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 got hit with um that treatment. I don't know why she tried to kill. Who, Marty? Snitch! Snitch! <laughs> I don't know. I didn't look at Jeff There's Marty? a YouTube clip. I'm gonna have this. I'm gonna, let me do let me do this real quick. That's a YouTube clip that did he did he, did he give a full statement? Yeah, did, did Marty give yeah. a full statement? Right. I'm a, I'm a, okay. I'm a, I'm a I, I don't want to, you know, be too long yeah. on this, but this is this is a it is very very interesting because you know how to. Oh, yeah, it's just different between black women and black men. Like, come right. on, man, like we gonna restrain her. There's some some hood, hood ass niggas like you hit me, okay. but guess what? I'm slapping the shit yeah. out of you. I don't, you know, I'm not saying I'm this like that. What I'm saying is, if you Jeffrey really Marty lined it up. You know, Jeffrey Marty faked, that's allegedly faked his injuries yeah. and coached his mm-hmm. children on what well, to say. I'm going to get that hell for her. I'm going to get that switch on. And Tasha going to handle it. Not you. He's a lawyer. Exactly. He's a lawyer. Not you. He's a oh, lawyer. Not only up. does he have the law on his side, but he has the manipulation. Realize, baby, law as a I'm the real white right person in this relationship. I am the law. <laughs> I have power, yeah. baby. Systemic racism on that ass. Not yours. 
Exactly. Yeah. It says his three children. What do you think it was? Right. And the persuasiveness to do it. Right. <laughs> and his children are all prepped up too. You, you thought those were your children too? Oh, no. He said, these are my children. Mm. Yeah. Mm. What? Hold on. <laughs> Guess how? Oh, man. It, it's got so many layers to this because it's like, wow. oh, man. Yeah. There's a lot of sisters like her out there. Yeah. I had, I had seen sisters how long and her in, in their how long she what, bed winches. Before she got married. There's a lot of bed winches who, who, who pull this maneuver and then they get, that, that, they get that nigga wake up call. Yeah, she was after that. And day. now all of a sudden, you know, they want to check yeah, that box man. off. Yeah, she got I'm not right, guy. y'all. For, like, for real. She got married. Ten days, how long have they been married? Oh. But yeah, oh my God. And you, oh, she was after that bag. Ended up getting bagged. <laughs> Got bagged. But it was all good. Listen, don't end up like Stacey Dash or any of these other brunch niggas out there or organizations, y'all. If y'all listen to our show, I would suspect that you all are really about that life, about the movement. So thank you all for rocking with us. Hit that like button, subscribe, share the podcast. If you want to support us on the Patreon, go ahead and do that too. We appreciate y'all. We are out.